0: Before. Okay. And can you all see my screen?
1: Yeah, uh, we can see.
0: And just the uh, the PowerPoint one, right? Yeah. Uh huh. Okay.
2: So uh, uh, just want to say, Euro uh, is being uh, recruited to the division, and uh, officially he need to give a, a recruitment talk. And I think just for the timing, uh, uh, he has turned in, in uh, his application. So that's uh, we're gonna make this, this uh, recruitment talk. Uh, okay, Euro, it's, it's yours.
0: Thank you. Uh, so no added pressure uh, after the, those words, uh, Dr. Wong. Um, so uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name is I'm the uh, second year fellow. Uh, I'm going to be leading a journal club discussion today um, about this recently published article in the New England Journal of Medicine uh, titled Chlorthalidone for Hypertension in Advanced Chronic Kidney Disease. Uh, This was presented uh, at ASN as a late-breaking clinical trial, Um, and to quote Dr. Jalal, uh, it made quite the splash, Uh, so hopefully you guys feel that way as well. Um, And please note that I did volunteer to give this talk pretty late last week, uh, so this will be very informal, uh, and so please interrupt me at any point uh, for any questions or discussion topics along the way. So the objectives for this talk uh, will be to review the most recent data uh, from this clinical trial on the efficacy of thiazide, specifically thiazide-like diuretics in advanced CKD uh, in both blood pressure uh, lowering as well as decreasing albuminuria. Uh, we'll also review the adverse events from the trial. Uh, and then finally, and uh, potentially uh, possibly most importantly, we'll discuss whether this new data Uh, We'll change the management of hypertension in advanced CKD. Uh, And hopefully, we'll have some conflicting opinions on that matter. Um, And so we can get some informative discussion. Uh, So just some quick background on why this study was was performed. So thiazide or thiazide-like diuretics uh, are, of course, important agents for lowering blood pressure uh, in patients with essential hypertension. Um, Current hypertension treatment guidelines have thiazides as a potentially first line uh, medication in combination with an ACE inhibitor or an ARB uh, in patients with history of stroke or the very elderly, uh, or it can be used in combination with calcium channel blocker in uh, in black patients, and those are first line. However, from the Kadoki guidelines uh, from 2004, on hypertension and antihypertensive agents in CKD, they recommended thiazide diuretics uh, just for patients with CKD stages one through three. Uh, And I pulled this quote that's up on the slide directly from the guidelines. And it essentially states that the basis for uh, thiazide failure uh, when CKD progresses from stages uh, one through three to stage four or five is that the potency uh, is not sufficient uh, at the doses administered. Um, so it should be substituted for a loop diuretic at later uh, stages of CKD. So this brings up the question uh, of whether thiazide or thiazide-like diuretics are truly ineffective in CKD stages four and five. <clears throat> the pilot study for this uh, trial, the, the CLICK trial, which is the, the main trial, um, so the pilot study was done in 2014. Uh, investigators from Indiana University School of Medicine uh, looked to test the hypothesis of whether thiazide-like diuretics effectively lower blood pressure in uh, moderate to advanced CKD. Uh, and these folks uh, published the results of their pilot study uh, in the American Journal of Neurology back in 2014. So there Pilot study enrolled uh, patients with EGFR 20 to 45, so they did include some CKD stage 3B. Uh, They screened a lot of patients, but ultimately only enrolled 14 patients, uh, 12 of whom completed the study. Um, The pilot study patients were prescribed 25 milligrams per day of chlorothaladone, with doubling every four weeks as indicated for better blood pressure control. The uh, predominant noted effect from this study uh, was an improvement in home systolic and diastolic blood pressure, but clinic blood pressure uh, monitoring did not uh, detect an improvement in diastolic blood pressure. Uh, So in this pilot study, 66% of the patients actually had CKD4, uh, so this paved the way for the randomized controlled trial uh, in patients with CKD with poorly controlled hypertension. So that brings us to our article of interest. Uh, this article was published, uh, like I mentioned, in the New England Journal, um, where they report findings uh, from the trial titled Clorthalidone and Chronic Kidney Disease, uh, abbreviated as the CLIC trial. Uh, I'm proud that uh, of this abbreviated title, I feel like the nephrology world has fallen behind the cardiology world in, uh, in terms of clever namings for trials, so this one's not too bad. Although I don't know what click has anything to do with uh, hypertension, but. So for the trial design, uh, the study was designed, uh, like I said, to test the hypothesis uh, that chlorthalidone, when added to the current regimen of antihypertensive drugs, improves blood pressure in patients with CKD stage four and uncontrolled hypertension. Uh, the trial recruited adult patients from Indiana University Hospitals, uh, Eskenazi Hospital, and Richard Rue Bosch VA Medical Center. Uh, all of those hospitals are affiliated with the uh, University of Indiana, uh, so it's a single institution but multi-center trial. And they recruited adults with CKD stage 4 who had treated but poorly controlled hypertension, and then once enrolled in the study, patients were treated with placebo for two weeks, uh, after which they were randomized to either placebo or clorthalidone. And then 24 hour ambulatory blood pressure was assessed at 12 weeks. The medications uh, were then stopped at the end of the 12 weeks for this two week washout period um, to assess whether there was any persisting effect. Here I have listed the inclusion and exclusion criteria for the study. Uh, They included adult patients with CKD stage 4 with hypertension, uh, defined as systolic greater than 130 and diastolic greater than 80. Uh, The patients had to be on an antihypertensive regimen, and that regimen had to include at least uh, one medication 12 weeks prior to the study. At least one of the medications that the patients were on had to be an ACERN arb If there was a contraindication to ACERN arb then that one medication had to at least be a beta blocker. And then the exclusion criteria uh, included patients that were already on thiazides, had a hypersensitivity to thiazides, uh, were on very high doses of loop diuretics, uh, or had extremely elevated blood pressures, Uh, They also excluded patients that were planning on starting dialysis within three months, uh, although I don't know how they necessarily assess that. Um, Patients who had uh, any major cardiac event in the past three months were also excluded, uh, or patients with advanced illness such as uh, terminal cancer, advanced heart failure, or cirrhosis. And then notably for the transplant nephrologists that are uh, at this meeting, um, they did exclude patients who had previously had an organ transplant or were on immunosuppressive agents. The primary outcome for uh, the CLICK trial was a change in 24-hour uh, ambulatory systolic blood pressure from baseline to 12 weeks. And then their secondary outcomes uh, Uh, included a variety of things, including uh, changes from uh, baseline to 12 weeks in urine albumin to creatinine ratio, the NT-proBNP level, plasma renin and aldo levels, as well as total body volume. So in total, uh, 2,849 patients were assessed for eligibility, 47% of those patients uh, were deemed not eligible. Uh, And then the main reason for exclusion there was uh, blood pressure being out of range, uh, recent use of thiazides, uh, organ transplant recipients, uh, and not being on antihypertensives to begin with. And then 403 patients uh, that were potentially eligible uh, ended up consenting for the trial uh, and 243 of these patients were excluded for various other reasons that are listed there on the slide. Uh, and then finally, 160 patients were enrolled in the trial and underwent randomization. 79 patients uh, out of those 160 were assigned to the placebo group, and 81 were assigned to the chlorthalidone group. In the placebo group, uh, uh, only six patient, patients of the 79 did not complete the study, uh, mostly due to patient decision. And in the chlorthalidone group, 16 patients didn't complete the study. Uh, so notably, the placebo group only had one serious adverse event. That's noted at the bottom of, uh, of that slide. Um, in the chlorthalidone group, there were three adverse events uh, with one death and one patient ending up on dialysis. Uh And when I was looking through the supplement, um, I did not see any details on what those uh, adverse events were, Um, but I will get back to the adverse events uh, in a few slides here. Here are the baseline characteristics of the placebo and chlorthalidone group in this study. Uh, The average age for patients in the study was 66. Uh, The majority of patients were males. Um, About half the patients were white, uh, and then you can see poor representation of Asians uh, and Hispanic patients. The comorbidities uh, between the two groups did not vary significantly, um, although they didn't include the p-values in the article. At baseline, the patients were uh, receiving an average of three and a half or so antihypertensive medications, um, 60% 60% of them uh, were on loop diuretics uh, and all but two um, were receiving an ACE inhibitor, uh, an ARB or beta blocker. And this data is uh, available in the supplement as well. The average blood pressure at the beginning of the study was 141 over 69 in the treatment group and 138 over 68 in the control group. And then in terms of albuminuria, most of the patients in both arms of the study had CKD stage uh, A4, G3, uh, as you can see there, uh, with about 30% of patients having either stage A1 or A2. And then the mean estimated GFR uh, was about 23 in each group. So uh, CKD stage four. Um, So coming back to the adverse events, Uh, sorry for the big uh, slide here, Um, the total number of adverse events in the clorthalidone group was slightly higher than the placebo group. Um, And then in terms of specific events, hypokalemia uh, occurred in 10% of patients in the clorthalidone group versus 0% uh, in the placebo group. And then, uh, interestingly, hyperglycemia occurred uh, in 16% uh, in the chlorthalidone versus 5% in the placebo group. And then hyperuricemia was also noted more frequently in the chlorthalidone group versus placebo, not unexpected. Orthostatic hypotension and dizziness were also more common in the chlorthalidone group, also not unexpected. Uh, And then, importantly, there were 33 patients uh, who had an AKI in the chlorothalidone group versus just 10 in the placebo group. And then in terms of, oops, in terms of cardiovascular events, uh, they seem to be slightly more common in the placebo group uh, and then the renal events were equal. So moving on to results, here are the results for the primary outcome. At randomization uh, here at the beginning of the slide, the mean 24 hour ambulatory systolic blood pressure was 142 in the chlorothalidone group and 140 in the placebo group. Uh, you can begin to see a difference in the systolic blood uh, blood pressure in the clorthalidone group starting at week four. Uh, and the effect seems to continue until uh, the end of the treatment period at 12 weeks. Uh, the adjusted change in the 24-hour ambulatory systolic blood pressure from baseline to 12 weeks was minus 11 in the chlorothaladone group and minus 0.5 in the placebo group. Uh, So the mean difference between the treatment and the control group was uh, minus 10.5. And that has a confidence interval negative of 14.6 to minus 6.4, which is a p-value of less than 0.001. As part of their protocol, uh, they had this two week uh, washout period after the treatment period. And you can see that the effect seemed to last uh, to some degree after discontinuation of the medication. Uh, And then for reference at the 12 week mark, the investigators had 140 recordings of 24 hour ambulatory blood pressure. Here are the results in table format. uh, Again, you can see the chlorthalidone group had an 11 point drop in systolic blood pressure while the placebo group had the 0.1 point drop. Uh, You can see that the daytime and nighttime changes in blood pressure were similar. Uh, And then in terms of the diastolic blood pressure, uh, there was uh, about a five point drop in the chlorthalidone group and a one point drop in the placebo group. Uh, And again, those were similar for uh, the daytime and nighttime. In terms of secondary outcomes, the percent change in the urinary uh, albumin to creatinine ratio from baseline to 12 weeks was negative or or minus 41% in the chlorothaladone group and minus 7% in the placebo group. Um, And at eight, uh, sorry, that was at four weeks. And then at eight weeks, the change in urinary albumin to creatinine uh, was minus 45% in the treatment group and minus 3% in the placebo. Uh, uh, you can see that here. And at 12 weeks, you had a uh, 50% reduction in uh, albuminuria in the treatment group and um, 4% reduction in the placebo. Almost do you mind muting? Almost. Uh, Sorry about that. Uh, in terms of the EGFR there seemed to be an initial drop in the um, EGFR in the clorthalidone group uh, here on in the orange line. Um, it uh, went down by an average of 2.7 points at week four uh, and that persisted but was unchanged until 12 weeks after randomization. Uh, and then interesting to note here uh, that After discontinuation of the drug at 12 weeks, the GFR recovered, and it recovered to a baseline higher than that of the placebo group. Um, So at that uh, 14-week point, the placebo group had a 0.5 point drop in EGFR, and that was not significant, Uh, and the chlorthalidone group had a 0.3 point drop in EGFR, also not significant. all right, so here is a uh, summary of the subgroup analysis um, of the primary outcome. So bars to the left of the solid line indicate, indicate that chloralidone performed better. Uh, bars to the right of the solid line uh, are if the placebo performed better. So you can see that chloralidone performed uh, in a statistically significant way in all of the pre-specified subgroups. There were a few groups uh, where the effect of chlorthalidone on blood pressure was not not quite as good as others. Uh, And you can see the top box there. uh, Those are patients who were not on a loop diuretic previously. Uh, Other groups where you had less of an effect were those uh, with less than 300 mg per gram of albuminuria. Those with uh, an average renin greater than 2,498 picograms per mil. Uh, or an average plasma aldosterone, less than 318 picograms per mil. I'm not sure how to uh, interpret the the renin and aldo uh, data there, but um, perhaps it has something to do with whether or not the patients were on Acerin-ARB. So from what I have said so far, and for those of you who have read the article, what do you see as big limitations of this study?
1: I'd like to hear from the fellows before we all start adding in. I think uh,
3: before they started, before the starting of the chlorothalidone, blood pressure measurement was very narrow, 130 by 80. It should be more than that.
0: Sorry, uh, Ashok, can you elaborate a little bit? Um, The uh, inclusion criteria in the study was patients with blood pressure greater than 130, um, basically 130 to 160 uh, over 80. Um, That was the inclusion criteria. I can go back. So basically, 130 to 160 over 80 to 100 was the, uh, based on ambulatory blood pressure monitoring though. Right? So you think the, the range should have been bigger?
3: Uh, yeah, I think slightly range should be bigger than that. And also uh, already patients were on any medicine. So uh, maybe uh, we would think about, uh, I think to give those medicine to the uh, resistant, those who are resistant to the antihypertensive medicine, maybe, and also uh, beta blocker, they are not uh, primary antihypertensive medicine. So, I don't know why uh, they were including these beta blocker
1: in
0: the inclusion criteria. that's a good point. That is pretty strange. Um, I mentioned before that um, based on guidelines uh, in certain groups, you would have uh, uh, ACE-ARB plus a thiazide or um, calcium channel blocker and a thiazide, or ACE-ARB plus a calcium channel blocker, but uh, nowhere in the guidelines does it mention beta blockers.
4: Nero, either in the paper or in the uh, uh, supplement, did they give the data on what happened to total body fluid?
0: That was in the supplement. Um, I don't remember if it was statistically significant. Um, Let me see here. So, uh, let's see. So, the change from baseline uh, in body weight was 1.2 kilos for the chlorthalidone group and 0.3, so positive 0.3 kilos in the placebo group. Um, And that was statistically significant.
4: So, my point is that all of the adverse effects that you might have thought of adverse effects increase in, uh, well, uh, hypokalemia, uh, uh, increase in uric acid, increase in faintness, and all those kinds of things are all almost certainly related to the primary action of the drug, which is that it was an effective diuretic. So I guess one of the questions that I would put is um, sort of in a a broad way, what was the uh, intent of the authors in doing this study? Uh, I think that there is a, a fairly wide consensus that if, particularly if there is evidence of volume overload, that patients with renal insufficiency should and hypertension should be treated with a diuretic. And I'm not sure it makes much difference. What what they have established is that actually chlorothalidone is still effective at lower uh, GFRs, but I'm not sure that it's really any different from what you would have gotten from the current uh, recommendations of the uh, KDOKI. So the question is, are they just trying to show that there's a pharmacological effect that is real, or are they trying to change therapy? Is there a reason why chlorthorhodone would be preferable to what we already have, since almost certainly the, the beneficial effect is coupled to the same mechanism that you would have had if you would used almost any other diuretic. So I'm not asking you to say what was in the minds of the authors, but uh, I, I think-,
5: think- I think this is useful because the, the loop diuretics are pretty short acting and chlorthalidone is a pretty long acting diuretic. So I really like chlorthalidone and try to use it pretty often. And I think the study helps demonstrate that it can be effective even in advanced chronic kidney disease. Um, especially if patients don't have otherwise like severe edema um, because the high dose diuretic folks were discontinued.
3: I
4: would agree with that, Maria. Um, I I just, I I must confess a little bit of surprise that the New England Journal took it because I think it's sort of, in a way, a no-brainer. But, you know, again, I'm not, I, I can't say what is in the minds of the reviewers any more than what was in the minds of the uh, investigators. But
3: um, I, Larry, think... I don't know whether we could say that this is a no brainer. It has been long-held teaching, probably based on no data, that thiazide diuretics were ineffective in the presence of advanced CKD. OK, well. We that from our teachers, we've added that down to our students and I suspect that we never stopped to check the data, and I wonder whether KDGO gave us the level of evidence for the statement that chlorothalidone or thiazide diuretics should not be used with advanced CKD. It may also just be people parroting what they've heard before, and if that's the case, then New England Journal has every right to to be interested in this because it's sort of settling a long-held dogma that is not supported by data.
6: Yeah. That's fair. fair. Yeah, I I agree with that, Christy. The other thing I will say is, you know, as time goes along, the gold blood pressure keeps dropping and dropping, even for patients with more advanced chronic kidney disease. And I think it's sometimes really challenging to bring the blood pressure down. So if throwing in a thiazide on top of the patient's regimen, you know, can get you there, um, I think that that is a, a favorable outcome. Uh, But but to Larry's point, I do agree that this does not necessarily change, um, I think it's hard for this to change the guidelines because they didn't really look at long-term outcomes. I am sure future studies will will do that. Um, But if you take a peek at the adverse events, I mean, you know, there is is a lot there, including hyperglycemia, hyperuricemia, orthostatic hypotension, um, AKI, 41%. So... You know, I I do understand um, you know Larry's uh, skepticism.
4: I'm not skeptical. I think that they've shown that uh, chlorothalonil still has an effect. As somebody asked on the the screen on the uh, comments, what was the dose? I don't know what the mean dose was. The mean final dose. Um, I I guess what I'm just saying is that. I don't think that this really changes our understanding of of how to ma- manage blood pressure.
0: I have the I wrote the mean doses somewhere. Um, I thought I did. Let me see.
6: I guess I am skeptical because I, you know, at ASN, this study was so very well received. If you just look in the chat box, everybody loved it. Um, everybody was lauding it. I think there's going to be a surge in the number of people prescribing thiazides and loop diuretics in combination. Um, and personally, I do think that the risk of AKI, um, I mean, if a number of patients uh, you know, I I would be curious to know what percentage um, of those AKI events happened in people with stage four CKD, um, as well as how severe the AKI was. Um, and I I I would personally want to see uh, the impact of this on long term outcomes, not just including cardiovascular disease, but also CKD progression.
7: And yeah, Diana,
4: and then... I, I agree that one of the things is that. Let, let's say you had a patient whose blood pressure was not well controlled, and maybe there's a little bit of edema, traced, you know, the usual sort of the thing that you see, and you decide you're going to use a diuretic. And my question is, what we don't know here is, does it make any difference which diuretic you use? This, uh, it's true that the loop diuretics are shorter acting, and that's always been an advantage of chlorothalidone in patients with. Uh, established w- with without renal failure, um, the, again, the increased incidence of, uh, of AKI and all of those, and the frequency of, of stopping the treatment and so forth would all be concerning in, in that, particularly in this small trial, but we don't really have a comparison of what we would have gotten had we used any other diuretic. I suspect that this is just all showing a diuretic effect.
5: Yeah, Larry, um, this is Lama here. Minakshi just posted in the chat box. Interestingly, if you look at eight weeks, placebo do- uh, group got more diuretic than uh, treatment groups. So it's curious how- I,
4: I can't, I didn't hear that. I'm sorry, Lama. Oh,
5: I said that, um, Mina just uh, posted in the chat box, the doses that the patients received. And it looks like in the placebo, in the treatment group by 12 weeks, that average dose was 23.1 milligram. Whereas in the uh, placebo, that's the treatment group, whereas in placebo group, the total dose was 37.2 milligrams. So that's interesting that placebo group got more diuretic at 12 weeks. It's, is that
8: really more what it's?
0: More placebo. I, yeah.
5: So, I mean, this is a kind of off, right? Because we prescribed 25 and 50 milligrams. So you know, checking at four and eight and 12, I don't know what the meaning of that is. I mean, I agree with everybody that this is um, showing that we can use chlorothaladone in CKD4. Um, Regarding AKI, I think just like the SGLT2, the Flozins, we really need longer term data, right? Because what, who cares if the GFR is 24 and now it's 22, you know? If we can get their blood pressure lower, antiproteinuric, keep them out of the hospital, preventing heart failure, flash pulmonary edema, so, um, this is promising, you know, and, you know, I think that it's good that the nephrology community is not um, nitpicking the negative thing and it was received so well. So, uh, of course, I mean, they're probably already starting to look at long term, um, you know, long term data. I,
8: I, I don't think you're keeping them out of the hospital if they're arriving in the hospital with hypokalemia and, and low blood pressures. They may not be in the hospital for the same things, but that still remains to be seen. I, I uh, have a couple of points. Uh, one is that it always worries me when you have a trial, which is very much a anti-pragmatic trial in the sense that you have so many exclusions, and then uh, the results come out and we apply uh, the therapy to groups which would have been excluded from the original trial. Uh, so is this gonna be applied in transplant patients and patients with truly uh, un, uncontrolled hypertension? Second point um, is that this is actually, uh, that the side effects that you're seeing are actually the side effects I would have expected in a trial of what is to many of these participants, a trial of loop, ther- loop diuretics, versus loop diuretics plus thiazide diuretics. Uh, because I mean, it's a trial of dual, dual therapy diuretics for a lot of people. My final point is that from a historical point of view, it is unsurprising that this came from Indiana University. Uh, there was a guy at Indiana University whose name was D. Craig Brader, who was a D who rose to become the chair of medicine at Indiana University. And all of his research uh, dealt with the topic of uh, thiazides being equivalent to loop diuretics in patients with chronic kidney disease if you gave them an adequate dose. So this is just a continuation of the research that uh, was started by Dr. Brader back in the 1980s. So it's unsurprising. And he was uh, showing that uh, this worked in patients with stage three and some with stage four many, many years ago. That's all I got to say.
7: Um, I, so I think, you know, we already use thiazide diuretics in patients with CKD-4 all the time. Um, and we think of metolazone as a totally effective diuretic. Um, and we use it sparingly because we see people develop AKI when they have a combination of high dose loop diuretics and scheduled metolazone, and so it's often given for a couple days, and then and then we only prescribe it on a scheduled. Ba- I mean, commonly I've seen people not just me scheduled on a scheduled basis only when people have refractory edema despite occasional use combination loop and thiazide diuretics. So um i mean i am i think you know i think if people were to apply this in the way that dr summers is worried people are going to apply it and just write it like it's spironolactone on top of their ace inhibitor and heart failure or something like that then we're going to see a lot of adverse eff- adverse effects but I do think there's a, and uh, that will be a problem, but I do think there's a lot of patients that have poorly controlled blood pressure in late-stage CKD, and for some silly reason, they're not given a thiazide. Um, and I think this is, a, this is a good article that may engender in, in people to try a drug that they were taught wasn't effective, even though we kind of, cognitive dissonance actually use it and totally, you know, in a, in a similar patient population with a different blood pressure. So I think it's definitely clinically useful. Um, and I don't have any, I think the, just to dot tease, I mean, I think the the, the images, the slide that's on right now, you know, um, you know, patients become more salt sensitive or more sensitive to diuretics, when they have ACE inhibitors or when, they, when they're when they already in set settings of relative volume depletion. So it's not surprising that patients that were not on loop diuretics had a less effective blood pressure response than patients that were. Um, and same goes with like, like Dr. Hunsinger and everyone was saying about these just being the side effects of an effective drug. Uh, so that's all I have to say.
4: So to extend what Lama uh, has just posted there. Um, and and uh, this goes, and back, going back to what she said before, which is that we really don't know the long-term outcomes. If a person were to uh, have seen, if, if I were as a reviewer in the FDA and saw the excess numbers of complications of this agent, even though nothing was, you know, there was one death in that side, I don't know what the death was, but this is a very small study. And so I'm not sure you could make much out of that anyway, but um, you see a whole lot of um, not nice adverse effects. And the time of the study is short enough that there's no way to estimate what the benefit is in terms of preventing cardiovascular disease. So I don't, I'm left not knowing, you know, is the, this is sort of an extension of what uh, Doug said too. I'm not sure whether the benefit of coming down from 140 to 130 or whatever it was that they did offsets the problems that you get into when you push a person with renal insufficiency and limiting fluids, limiting volume. But that's a question that can't be answered from this study. It would be unreasonable to expect that one should be able to extrapolate from this study. So I think if, if, if I'm just because I talk too much, I suppose, but <clears throat> what this does is it says yes, chlorothaladone can be used in this situation. As a grader said years ago, it does work um it probably has similar adverse effects to all the other diuretics and one might guess that it has adequate uh, similar benefits to other all of the diuretics and that's why i'm just not sure it changes all that much christy you want to re- debate that <laughs> tell
3: me the title of the debate
4: I, I didn't hear what you said.
3: So, what is the title of the debate? What is the point, the specific point that's to be debated?
4: Is the net benefit in terms of reducing the blood pressure from, I think it was one, well, by 10 milligrams from 130 to 120 or something like that, uh, going to be associated in the long haul with benefits to offset the difficulties that that Now, my my question is that I don't think that it's any different from what it would have been had you used any other diuretic, but uh, other than showing that chlorothaladone does work at these lower GFRs and is an option, we don't really know whether it's a benefit at this point in this particular population with higher than normal, but not extraordinarily high blood pressures.
3: To be fair, any blood pressure drug that is used as an add-on in this level of CKD4 that gives you a 5 to 10 millimeter drop in systolic in the short term could be argued to have shown no benefit in the long term, either in terms of blood pressure control or renal survival. So why pick on this poor drug to be so picky? Are you at a loss for words?
4: Oh uh, no, no, I, I, am having a problem because my earbuds are very faint, and I didn't really hear what you said. But no, I, I will, I, I, I will.
3: I, I said, I said that for any drug that is useful at this level of uh, impaired kidney function that drops your systolic blood pressure by five to ten millimeters of mercury in the short term, you could argue. That there is no data long term about its effectiveness either in blood pressure control or in prolonging renal survival.
4: That's no, I, I agree. I don't I don't know whether it's good or bad. Uh, it so is.
3: Are we are we just manifesting our intrinsic bias against Um
4: Maybe this is affected by the fact that I have been a little bit skeptical about the idea that chlorothal didn't work anyway. So. Uh, but, you know, it's it's useful to know that chlorthalidone can be used if you need a diuretic in
1: patients with uh, reduced GFR. So, Larry Fadiakoub, uh, we, we use thiazide all the time, even with profound kidney failure yeah. in combination with loop diuretic. And we know it works a lot of time converting non-oliguric, uh, sorry, oliguric to non-oliguric kidney failure. So, we know thiazide work at relatively low GFR. And we, I think all of us use chlortharidone to a point in in stage four kidney disease, Um, selectively, selectively, that's a key word. And we use them with loop diuretic also selectively. If used and selectively, we get in trouble. We have a lot of acute kidney injury we see in the hospital, people put on loop diuretic and thiazide of any sort and they come in with acute kidney injury just because of low extremity edema. So try to generalize this to everybody we have is, is a danger proposition. Uh, I'm not sure, I kind of agree with you. I'm not sure what did this study teach us. It taught me absolutely nothing. It taught me flow do not work in stage four. Well, we kind of know that actually, even with the traditional thinking that it doesn't work, that's already not true. We know it does, anecdotally at least. Uh, we know torchosclerosomide, we kinda of already, we all know that. The side effects, well, yeah, guess what? Yeah, we use two diuretic that in a bunch of people. We're gonna see AKI and so on. So I'm not sure this a try is gonna change what we do. And I'm really surprised to hear that there's a lot of excitement in ASN about this. I don't know why. It didn't teach me anything. We already we use it in some people, we and we do not use it in some. That's my two cents on this.
8: I would say that I was surprised with the drop in the degree of drop in albumin. That that I did find to be interesting.
4: Well, I'm I, Doug. I think that anything that drops blood pressure by ten millimeters is going to drop the the albumin excretion rate
8: by fifty percent. Who
4: the hell knows? <laughs>
1: I think the amount of albumin was fairly low to begin with, though. So 50% is still 50% of small amount, I believe. So I don't know what to make of that.
4: Well, it's not as though the reduction in proteinuria with reduction in blood pressure is per se beneficial. I think most of the data suggests that, uh, you know, the, it's there was a theory there that if by dropping the uh the blood pressure, I'm sorry, dropping the protein urea that you caused less tubular injury from the reabsorption of the protein urea. But I think that the balance of the data suggests that the reason that the protein urea drops is that the glomerular blood pressure drops.
2: Yeah. So, so my, I think that the, the reason we talk about thiazide is not effective. In the low GFR, it's just just like the furosemide; it need to be filtered into the luminal side to act from the uh, transporter sitting on the apical membrane. And I think that goes with uh, so so when in advanced kidney diseases, thiazide is going to be less filtered. And but the same goes to furosemide. So, and uh, because of the raw GFR, phyrosomite also, instead of uh, every six hours, it can last 12 or even 24 hours, uh, as we know. And uh, advanced uh, CKD patient, we don't do Q6 hours, you know. So we do it uh, a little bit uh, space out, you know. So, so so to some extent, uh, the reason I think we tend to use phyrosomite other than Syazide is because furosemide is more potent. So to the extent that it will be decreased filter in, in a low GFR because it's uh, acting on the loop diuretic uh, as a loop diuretic it's blocking a greater portion of uh, sodium reabsorption. So it's more effective. But otherwise it's the same thing furosemide and the uh, is same thing only to be filtered and just want to be more potent. So in the setting where there's less filter, we tend to use more potent one. But as John mentioned, we do, you know, uh, a lot of our uh, CKD patients, uh, we do do a, a synergistic therapy of um, uh, metolazone, which is cyanide, anyway. So, so I think there's some point to kind of uh, let us, not necessarily, saying while the, when it's a CKD advanced CKD cannot use cyanide but other than that, the principle applied to both. And then the, the benefit of a silozyte, uh, uh you know, other than synergistic, you know, the, uh, well, the, 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 the out, out, uh, shortcoming of shirosomite over long short acting, actually, the, become less an issue when the advanced uh, kidney diseases because then again, it can last 12 or even 24 hours in a single dosing, you know? So so uh, that's just my takes. I, I think it, it does let us know, say, we should not be so dogmatic, it cannot be, be effective, but other than that, pretty much, uh, in terms of physiology, in terms of uh, in our practice, i probably pretty much say what we already know.
3: I want to
4: make one comment, that uh, Chulong. And this is not a criticism of you, but there is a problem that we have when we talk about potency. What we really care about is not whether a drug is more potent, but whether it is more effective. And uh, there's lots of examples where a drug company says, this drug is much more potent. You only have to give two milligrams instead of 10 milligrams to get the same effect, but nobody gives a damn how much of the stuff gets into the pill. What we're interested in is effectiveness. And we should, um, I, I, I just feel that we should never use the term potency unless we really mean, whether, you, how much you have to put into the pill, but we should be using the phrase effectiveness. And I think that the effectiveness of ferrozamide is probably better at the extremes, but I'm not so sure that it's that much better at this level here.
2: Oh, I, 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 I agree, I apologize for-
4: that. No, it's a, it's a, it's a common- just no, no, is really
2: efficacy because it's blocking, mm-hmm. it's targeting to the yep. yes. which is more uh, you know, inhibiting more sodium uh reabsorption, you know. I guess the pro the, the true definition of potency is uh, the same, the, the outcome versus the milligram dose, is that correct? I, I yes. actually don't know the, the 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 correct definition of potency, you know. Yep. So, I'm not, I'm mischievous. Well,
4: but, uh, I didn't mean to criticize you. I just am a little sensitive to, to this issue because it just drives me crazy when the drug companies say this is more potent and therefore it's better. That's garbage.
2: Well, thank you, Iroh, for a nice presentation. And- yeah, it
0: was a great, uh, great debate. Um, That's basically all I had. So perfect. Thank you guys so much.
3: Thank you, Hiro. Very nice.
6: Thanks, Hiro.
0: Thank you. Nice
3: job.